Welcome to the Innovative Leader Podcast, featuring Christy Geiger, Executive Coach with Synergy Strategies, and David Phillips, Professor, Consultant, and Coach. Hello, welcome back to the uh, Innovative Leader Podcast, where hope we hope you're doing well. Uh, this is the first full week of June of 2020, and we're still s- some ways stuck in COVID. So, um, uh, but today we wanted to, to talk about um, the healthy mind platter. We kind of have talked about uh, in the last couple of episodes, uh, things like, um, uh, you know, making sure you're well, your body's well, your mind's well, you're healthy, those kinds of things, because from a leading leadership standpoint, that is of great importance because you, you have to, to, to have rest. You have to, uh, let your, have your, have good food, uh, and, and good rest and to be able to do those things to lead well. And so, uh, Christy, uh, has connected with, um, something from Dr. Dan Siegel. It's called the healthy mind platter. And, um, the subtitle of this is seven daily essential mental activities to optimize brain matter and create well-being. That's a lot to take in. And so we're going to take uh, we're going to take a look at those today. There are seven of them and, um, and, and kind of talk about them and, and talk about how we can lead well uh, by applying these seven mental activities. Um, anything more you want to say on that as an intro, uh, Christy? Um, maybe just that it really picks up on our podcast last week, and um, you were introducing a, a couple key essentials that really help leaders to lead well. And recently I'd written an article about there's kind of two sides to leadership. It's the what we do ourselves in order to show up well every day, and then how we respond in the moment when different challenges and obstacles are happening. And so sometimes how we equip ourselves at the top of the day or in general in life allows us to be more responsive versus reactive. It allows us to be more centered versus more easily hijacked. It allows us to have higher intelligence, emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. rather than just trying to rely on our emotional ability to navigate turbulent times. And so these seven things, um, it was in my neuroleadership course with the um, NLI, the Neuroleadership Institute, and David Rock is where I really learned about the Healthy Mind Platter. And I love it because it really does bring together these seven elements. And there's a couple that we commonly talk about in leadership. And there's a couple that seem like they're kind of fluffy. Oh, wouldn't that be a nice little Zen thing right. to do? Uh, versus like, no, it's really an essential in order to have a healthy mind to lead strong from. And De- Dr. Dan Siegel um, and David Rock are the two who work together in order to create the mind platter. So yeah, it's great. I, it's a really strong model for leaders to use as a foundation for their life and work. Perfect. Um, the first, uh, the first one of those essentials is the focus time. When we focus on tasks, uh, take on challenges that make deep connections in the brain. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Go ahead. Um, So to me, focus time is one that we're pretty good at, especially here in America, where we're a high productivity society. Um, And sometimes we get really uh, distracted with multitasking and pulled from thing to thing. And so a common philosophy or concept of personal growth 
leaders, experts, and those who encourage how do you get productivity, how do you get the most out of your day, is really the concept of focus time. For years, we've talked about, um, you go way back to, um, say, Brian Tracy and Eat That Frog, Mm -hmm. and having your power hour or that golden time that you really focus, the one to two hours where you close off distractions, shut off your cell phone, close your door, put your phone on silent, let your team know, I am focused on a project from nine to 11 and I'll be available after 11 to check in with the team that head down focus time. And while we in America are not necessarily great at executing focus time, we know in productivity models that focus time is a critical skill in order to develop. What is my goal? What do I need to get done? What are the steps to get that done? And then kind of this head down really intentional focus time. And some people, I like when people have a focus time for myself and for my leaders, we'll talk about a morning focus time and an afternoon focus time Mm. is a really good rhythm kind of surrounded by other things. But this focus time is critical in order to get traction. What what are your thoughts about focus time and the way you see it well executed or not? Yeah. So, um, you know, productivity studies uh, really do indicate that if you get distracted from something, it can take as much as 20 minutes. Uh, and in most cases, it's about 20 minutes to get back and re-engaged fully. Um, I was, so years ago, um, back in the late nineties, I was early two thousands, I was working for a company. And, and um, one of the things that I did and my bosses didn't like it at first, um, but they really didn't have a choice. I don't think um, I, what I did is I, uh, I, I created a focus time that went from nine uh, from nine to one, and um, I I, I uh, put on my voicemail that if you call uh, nine to noon, I'm sorry, if you no, it's nine to nine about anyway somewhere along those times, and I would put on my I put on my voicemail um, if you call between the hours of this and this, then um, please leave a message. I'll return your call as soon as as soon as I'm, I'm done. Um, my email, uh, auto response said something very similar. Uh, and so I actually even turned and turned the email off. Uh, that was, this was way before cell phones and texts and social media. Um, uh, but those kinds of things. But what I found is if I could focus on, uh, from, from early, from that morning when I got in to about 1230, when I would, I would kind of shut down, uh, that piece and then I would go have lunch. Then I got so much done. I was, that was the most, most productive part of my day. And then I would answer emails right at, you know, I'd go to lunch. I'd I'd come back. I'd answer emails. I would do all that return phone calls, that kind of stuff. And uh, my bosses at first didn't like it. Uh, In fact, uh, and I actually said something, if you have an emergency press this number and you will get the receptions and they'll, they'll, you know, send it directly to me, but, um, they didn't like it because they were like, Oh, you need to be available for everybody. And it was like, but, but if you come and bother me every hour, then I'm losing 20 minutes every time you bother me. And they were like, Oh, and so they, they got it. So I, I think from a, a leadership standpoint, you need to, you need to have that focus time where you're focusing on the things that need to be done, uh, within your organization, uh, 
to, to make sure things are developed. Uh, maybe like you said, you're working on a project, you got to get that done. And, and it may not be four hours in, in like it was in my case, but yeah, a, a morning time, an afternoon time kind of to get your day started, uh, to think back over your day at the end of the day is, is an option or in the middle of the day when you, you need to kind of reset, you know, what's going to happen in the afternoon. Those kinds of things are really important. And, um, that's why I, and, and a lot of us, you know, really, again, I'll go back to that book by Daniel Pink called when a lot of it really is built around, um, what's good when you are most productive when you are, are able to be most, most focused. And, and for most of us, that is in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring a good point too about with focus. Sometimes there can be different types of focus times. Usually when I think about focus times, I'm thinking about that power hour where it is a project and you don't really get to your focus time and go, all right, well, let me make a to-do list and figure out what I should do your focus time is going to go pretty fast as you get distracted and email. And by the, just by the time you figure out what you're trying to get traction on your time is over and it won't really feel like it's that beneficial um, versus having that to-do list made beforehand. So, you know, in your power hour or in that focus time, you're working on this project. Right. Um, so that's good. But I like what you were saying too, about a lot of times we do set these focus times that, I like to reference as AM and PM habits, and it sounds a little bit overwhelming, I think, at times, but as you develop this, a lot of times you have AM personal and PM personal habits, and AM work and PM work habits, and those are also another type of focus time, where you're taking that designated 30 minutes to get your day started and to launch that correctly, or at the end of the day, is a critical time to write down any tasks that you didn't get done to update tasks that you did get done to clear your desk, to close out the emails and the voicemails. Those are another type of a rhythm that really is a focus time that for these 30 minutes, I am focused on this activity versus like you said, from that nine to 11 or whatever that time period is, I'm focused on this activity, which is a, the hot priority project or whatever. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And in some cases, you know, uh, so like at the end of the day, you're able to kind of look back and go, this is what I learned. And I think from a leadership standpoint, we need to do that. We need to go back. This is what I learned. So I'm going to take 30 minutes and say, this is what I learned. This is what I'm thankful for. This is what I should have done better. And then you can take another 15 or 20 minutes. And like you said, write down things that didn't get done, write down things that you know have to be done tomorrow. And so in essence, when you're, when you get up and you're ready to start your day, you already know what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And a little in the neuroscience that I just love when we study how the brain works, that this isn't just personal growth gurus spouting miscellaneous ideas of their opinion. Uh, It is brain science, right? And what happens in our brain is when we make that to-do list the night before, you're getting more from your brain because your brain is naturally working for you. So that night, it's naturally organizing and categorizing things subconsciously preparing it's putting things in order so then when you get to the task the next day you already have some decisions made even if you weren't even consciously thinking about it right really the amazing thing which is why if we make the to-do list at the top of the focus time you're just not going to be as productive and I know that some people are more disposed to making to 
to to do lists and others are not. But the reality is, it's a practice that if you want to be productive and efficient, I don't care if you like it or not, you make a to do list because it is proven to support your brain health and your brain productivity. Yeah, otherwise, it, things become um, uh, urgent instead of important. Yes. Yeah, reactionary versus responsive. Right, exactly. Yeah, good. Um, okay, so let's move on. The second uh, mental activity is playtime. And that's when we allow ourselves to be spontaneous or creative, uh, enjoying you know, novel experience, how we make new connections in the brain, those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I will go back to um, uh, Daniel Pink's, uh, we probably need to do something with Daniel Pink's book, when at some point. But he yeah. actually talks about the afternoon is a great time to do this, that you focus, for most people, you focus and get things done uh, in, in the morning, uh, early afternoon, and then the afternoon is when you allow yourself to to just kind of be creative, to doodle, to um, to talk to people and build connections. And of course, that's connecting time as well. Um, but but in that, your brain is uh, is almost resting, and it, at rest, it is playing, it is thinking, it is being creative, it is doing all different kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. And with this model, maybe, um, and I think we might just for the sake of time, break this into two um, episodes so we can cover them well. But with playtime, there's another one. So there's seven focus time, playtime, which like David was just explaining is more of this creativity, hobby time. Connecting time is more about human, our brain crave humanity. We crave love, acceptance, relational connection, whether that's professionally or personally. So connecting is a human side. Physical time is our fitness and our workout and what we're doing to create those neurochemicals in our brain when we are working out, detoxing. So physical time is about our workout. Time in is interesting because it can kind of time in and downtime are the next two and they're kind of similar to playtime. So to delineate those differences, in time is this absorbing. Uh, in time is you have a meeting and you're sharing with the team and then you are quiet for five minutes for them to think about it and to take notes and generate a question or what they took out of that. So there's this time in where we're journaling or thinking, which tends to be more on a professional downtime where we're actually doing nothing, letting your mind wander and then sleep time. So playtime, so downtime and end time kind of are in these cycles of our professional day versus playtime is really, and again, in our American culture today, there are some people who do play well. There's a lot of people, and I'll put myself in that category. Uh, We were talking before the podcast. My ancestry is German. I'm actually only fourth generation German. So those German values and 100% German, both my parents are German line. Um, But our work ethic values are pretty in there. And playtime happens when the work is done and the work doesn't usually ever end. So playtime is really hard to find. But if you don't find playtime, like we've talked about with other episodes about innovation and things like that, if we don't find time to play, we do not actually cultivate curiosity. We right. don't cultivate where our body just really relaxes, finds spontaneity, where we find the ability to just 
explore. It, it's really a criticism that many have had, even for kids, that we create too much structured play. Right. Here's the game. Here's the toy. Here's what you're supposed to do with this. Versus playtime is intended to be a more out-of-the-box time where they say, you know, let the kids go outside and figure out what they want to play, where they come up with a game, right. where they go to the park and, and they just create what they're doing. That is the heart of playtime is really what fuels and develops that muscle in the mind that allows us to innovate and to create because playtime is truly the art of experimenting right. and playtime is the art of creation. Yeah, that's where we see uh, while we're doing one thing, uh, all of a sudden lights go on and say, I can apply this to something else. Um, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, just playing basketball or, or, you know, running around or, you know, in like in, in, in my world. Um, so when I was, uh, when I was in, um, in middle school, elementary, middle school, high school, um, I was in this gifted program. And one of the things our teacher did, which I thought was really was really cool. She gave us a piece of paper with lines on it, like three or four lines. And she said, okay, now make, draw a picture, make something out of this. And I will find, if I, I find myself, if I am bored, if I'm in a meeting where I'm not, uh, or if I'm somewhere where I, and I have a piece of paper and a pencil, I will draw three or four lines and then I will create something out of that. And, and it's, and it's just about, uh, and, you know, you create images, you create pictures, you create ideas, those kinds of things. And it, and it allows your brain to um, maybe come up with a design for something. But all you're really doing is playing. You're just doodling, uh, for instance. And, and so things like that are incredibly important um, because it lets your mind wonder while at the same time it lets your mind be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, I think those are important to leadership because you're going to need – you're going to need your mind to wonder and daydream a bit uh, to think about the what could be. Um, and then, and then you're able in, in, in doing that, you're able to connect ideas to, to what you're doing to solve problems that you wouldn't, wouldn't have even come, uh, you know, had a solution if you were sitting down focused on it. Um, oftentimes I find the best answers to solutions to the, in the things that I'm working on, at that time where I'm actually waking up or going to sleep. And that's because your mind is, is allowed to wonder. It's allowed, you're, you're not trying to focus it on something. It's just allowed to, to, to be. And, to and I think that last part would be a little bit more in downtime right, where you yep. wake up or go to sleep and your mind is wandering. I, th- I think that's the downtime. Right. But your point about the journaling, or I'm sorry, not the journaling, the doodling, yep. um, and where you're, it's kind of an undirected, like you said, it's an undirected time that then begins to evolve or to connect some dots. Right. And you're not doing it with an intention to connect dots. It just happens right. when you're playing. So yeah, that's good. What about like, because I think there's a way as leaders, we also need to teach our team to play because often as leaders, we're, we're so driven on results and on productivity. So what, in addition to the doodling, like let's talk about, and you know, maybe more obvious are hobbies or things like that, that people do in playtime where there's a goal or an objective to play and to have fun, 
but I may be doing something. I'm still doing work in order to create or to develop or evolve. How, how would we, versus in that downtime is really doing nothing. It's zoning. So So with the playtime, what are other examples of how I might play myself as a leader in order to create that spontaneous um, innovation, creativity in my own mind, or how, how do we teach our teams to play? So I think in some cases, I think it's, I think it's institutionalized. And I think um, uh, companies like 3M and Google do this. Uh, you know, when you think about the history of post-it notes, so post-it notes was, uh, came from a, so 3M allows their people to spend 20% of their time on anything they want. They're open, free to do whatever they want. So post-it notes came as a result of a guy trying to figure out how to use this glue that wasn't working right. Um, uh, Gmail uh, or or a lot of things at Google come out of of playtime when you can spend part of your day doing, part of your week doing whatever you want. It can be completely nothing related to, to your job. Or it could be something completely related to your job, just in another focus. Go do something um, that's kind of outside your job, outside of your current role, and just play. Doodle. I mean, that's that's their, to me, that's their instance of doodle. Um, so uh, so I'm trying to think of, of like, in, in, my, in my role, one of the things that I did um, to make my world a little bit more uh, productive was I took, um, I saw some things that weren't working or that were working, but I was spending a lot of time on doing something else. And so I took, uh, a day or two, um, and just wrote something, wrote some software that allowed me to do my job a whole lot easier. So I I took a break from what I normally do, um, which was project management. I wrote some time, wrote some stuff, that allowed me to be more efficient. And then I went back and, and implemented it. So when you, when you see things that you think you can make, I mean, that, to me, make your job easier, then spend some time doing that. Uh, I, but I think it has to be institutionalized. I think it, it almost has to be, you spend 20% or ever how X number of percent of your week doodling. I think it's an interesting struggle that businesses actually have been working with for years. We saw out of the tech era, that's been going on really for a solid 20 or more years where remember when the tech companies started making the playrooms and they'd have air hockey tables and colorful bean bags and different games and pods where you could go do things. Yeah, exactly. So you'd see they'd have their workstation, but then they'd have this huge playroom right. for, for them to come and play. And what I what's interesting or curious about that is I think sometimes there's a mix. Like it works for some companies and it didn't work for others. And what is that key difference between why it works and why it doesn't? Because for some companies, it's like there's the playroom, but it didn't really get used. Why not? Or it did get used and it kind of got abused. Like people saw it, you know, as, Oh great. We're, we're in this really 
new minded company and we yeah. play and and it almost turned into forgive me but this is coming from my german side of things <laughs> screw around time yeah people are just screwing around and it didn't necessarily fuel and it, yeah that's like totally 2.0 leader talk too but like where that that 2.0 leader is like okay i'm trying to do the right thing i'm trying to create playtime i'm trying to create an environment for innovation but oh my gosh, my team is just messing around and we're not hitting the deadlines and we're not hitting our goals and innovation isn't happening. Like, help, why is this not working? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I would be, it would be fascinating to know why some businesses, why it worked for some, why it, that it didn't for others. I, I haven't seen any studies on that, but, but that's something that, that would be great to, to do some investigation on because um, I think... I, I really am trying to think real kind of really off the cuff why that would happen. But um, I think it's I don't know, maybe the nature of the role, maybe the nature of the company, what, what you're doing, what you're producing, those kinds of things. But, but um, yeah, that, that is very true. Those kinds of things did happen at the same time. You, you see Google and other companies like that where it made allowed them to make huge strides. Um, so Maybe it's just industry, part of it's an industry thing. I do think there's a piece, I didn't ask it with this answer, but as you were, this answer in mind, but as you were talking, I do wonder if there's something about designed accountability and shared goals, because I think sometimes too, there's a way it's like almost checkboxes, again, coming from this 2.0 mindset of, oh, we're supposed to have a playroom check. Okay. Playroom guys, you get to play. Um, okay. Why aren't you producing? It's almost like this tug of war with the concepts right. versus really having it organically in a synergistic design of we work hard and we play hard. And when we work hard, here's why we're working hard and what are the goals that we're working hard for and what is the objective that we're trying to achieve and accomplish together and what is that designed accountability and then let's let's also play hard and why are we doing that and it's not that you're over structuring it but I think sometimes there's a way that those areas are it's, it just feels 2.0. Here's your playroom, but here's your, here's your work and get your work done. But then there's this odd lack of accountability because we don't want to be a jerk because you're not supposed to be a jerk, whatever. And it's this, this weird um, inability to be dynamic with what does designed accountability look like? What are shared goals and how does that look? So everybody holds this same desire to achieve excellence and to achieve mm -hmm. the result that we're going for. So then we can drive hard together and then we can play hard together and you don't have to try to parent them into working hard. So right. when they're playing, they're taking a break because they've just been grinding. So now they're going to go play, take a break, refuel, and you teach them the pattern of refueling and grinding because grinding is focus time. Play time is getting in this other mode in order to refuel and to nourish your, your mind and your, your energy. Yeah. I saw a study a couple of years ago and it said the most, they, they, they did a, a huge study on productivity. They said the most productive people uh, essentially followed this pattern. 52 minutes of work, and 17 minutes of nothing. 52 minutes again? of work. 52 minutes of work. 
17 minutes of nothing or, or talking or, you know, doing something else, getting up, walking around, whatever. But it was 52 minutes of focus and then 17 minutes of non-focus. And so that could have been talking with your buddies. That could have been, you know, walking around the building. It could have been whatever, but that, that mentally we're not able to, to spend a lot more time than that. But the, because, because of the, the, the energy it takes to focus. Um, but so you could, if you could follow that pattern, then that 17 minutes, there's a lot of podcasts that are 15 minutes long. You could, you could just listen to that. You could, um, walk around the building and I know that's, that's more of the, the physical time, but you could do something else. You could doodle, you could spend time on social media, looking at different things. You could read an article, you could, you know, kick back and read a book. There's just a lot of things that you can do in that kind of framework. Mm-hmm. And if and if you felt comfortable being able to do that within your organization, or your organization felt comfortable to do that, then it would, uh, I think it would, it would, um, it would help with this this notion of playtime. That that whenever I start those fifty two minutes, or whenever I start fifty minutes, or you know whatever you know, whatever you're going to do, then I can get up and for twenty minutes just kind of doodle or play around and listen or talk or whatever, you know, it, it, and, and it releases your brain to think about all the things that you've done in those past 50 minutes. Uh, and it, your brain's going to come up with solutions to things. It's going to, it's going to be is productive, more productive than, than it would have been for you folks in there focus in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. That's really Good. So it's probably a good reflection uh, for us and for any leader listening is how do I design my focus time? Yeah. What am I focusing on? How do I design playtime for myself? Because if we're experiencing gridlock in our brain, if we're lacking joy and fun, if we're not really coming up with fresh ideas and feeling kind of stale and stalled out, playtime is a great thing to look at and go, okay, how am I playing? Where am I creating space for that? And to know this, I think sometimes we are so far away from playing, it feels completely foreign. We don't even know how to do it. And it requires work in order to get back into play because it's just so far away. You can almost think about hobbies you did as a kid. It reminds me of the book, The Powerful Engagement. Um, I believe that's the Arbinger Institute out of Florida. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing is uh, one time they were talking about this executive who had just completely become shut down and had lost their ability to be productive and to be top performing and nothing had really changed except for it just seemed like the, the guy was burned out. And so they went in and what they found was he started playing the piano. He used to play the piano. And so he started playing the piano again, just a half an hour a day. He didn't feel like he had time for it. He, it was stressful to be doing that during that time. Cause he just felt like I do not have time to be doing this, but he did it. And it started to recultivate, and re-energize and refuel some of these other areas, and he started to get his performance back. Now, there's obviously more that he did than just starting to play the piano, but the point is, is how are you playing? And if you're not playing, 
how are you going to create space for that both for you and your team? Because if you're that driven, you're probably driving your team that hard too. Yeah. And play probably is not super acceptable. Right. Yeah. You know, in, in it, like in playing the piano, it's going to engage different areas of your brain. Um, and so there are probably areas of our brain that we haven't used in a long time. Um, and those can get small. They can shut down. They can start being used for other things. But when we re-engage them, um, it, it opens up uh, thought processes. It opens up um, ideas that ha- often may have been lost. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is interesting where where in the brain that's happening. And we don't need to be a neuroscientist to understand all that. We just need to know it's in yeah. there and how we get it. So awesome. All right. Well, for the sake of time, I know we've already been on about 30 minutes. So let's wrap it in. Um, we'll pick up next time with the with connecting. a few more pieces. Yeah, exactly. We'll start with connecting and and uh, and kind of move through. This has been a, a great, uh, this is a great model and uh and I, I had not, I did not know about this. I'll, I'll be kind of printing this out and, and looking over it and, and building some of those things in uh, of, on my day as well. Um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, make sure you uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to, to Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a review. Uh, it would be great if we could get some reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we love, uh, we hope you love the information that you're getting and, and we love bringing it to you. So uh, have a great week and uh, look forward to, to coming back with you um, and talking with you again. Awesome. Thanks, Christy. Day. You too. All right. Bye-bye.